So I told my boyfriend, you know, I really want to move abroad and uh, change jobs, uh, change uh, apartments, change friends. Um, I wouldn't like to change uh, boyfriend, but uh, <laughs> I, it would, I, either you come or you don't. So uh, how does that sound? Welcome to this podcast where we talk to some of the most inspiring women in the tech industry about who they are, where they came from, their career, and the things that have made them the person they are today. I'm Fleur Poise, and joining us on the very first episode of this podcast, we have Sharon Gieske and Anna Henriquesh Narcisu. Sharon and Anna are friends and colleagues at Picnic, which for those of you who don't know, is one of the coolest and fastest growing online supermarkets in Europe, and they're completely changing the way people do groceries. Picnic was started around five years ago, and their mission is really simple. They want to make grocery shopping fun, simple, and affordable. As a mobile-only supermarket, you can order your groceries through an app, and within 24 hours, they're delivered at your front door for free. Not to mention that they come in an adorable electric grocery truck. What makes them such an inspiring tech company, though, is that they're data-driven and have back-end systems for the whole supply chain. Known for having a strong analytical team, they make decisions based on their data, and they have AI solutions to make their supply chain more efficient. This minimizes the carbon footprint and makes their service more affordable. Sharon works as a data scientist, but moreover is a kick-ass individual who loves teaching in all regards. Not only is she a pole dance instructor, but she also dedicates a lot of her time to public speaking about machine learning and about being a data scientist. Anna works as a product owner for data engineering and is a true go-getter who knows what she wants and is not afraid to take risks. Taking the leap of faith and moving to the Netherlands from Portugal, she told her boyfriend, I'm moving, you can either come or you don't. The epitome of a strong, independent woman. Ladies, since uh, I want to, well, obviously, welcome. It's the first episode of the podcast, and uh, so this is a bit of an unusual uh, setup because we're with two of you. Um, so, in the introduction, you guys already heard just a little bit of background about who Anna and who Sharon are. But uh, Sharon and Anna, uh, would you guys like to tell me just a little bit about yourself? Because you guys can obviously introduce yourselves better than I can. Um, so, Sharon, maybe starting with you. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Fleur. I'm super excited to be in this podcast. So to tell you a bit about myself, I'm Sharon. I turned 30 this year and I work as a data scientist at Picnic. I was born and raised in the Netherlands and I grew up um, in a village nearby Amsterdam. And I was always really interested in technical things. So I used to watch my dad work on the computer and could watch this Windows defragmentation thing for hours. And during my high school, I was also really good at the technical courses, so math, computer science, and I didn't like history or geography that much. So when I chose my studies, I actually decided I didn't want to work with people. I really wanted to work with computers because they have clear rules, exceptions, and are not as unpredictable as people. Uh, little did I know how much I would love people uh, working with people later. Uh, and in my free time, I'm a full dance instructor. That's it. That's yeah. It. And on that last part, we're going to ask you a bit in a second, because that's super interesting. I also think it's really ironic that somebody who didn't want to work with people is not only joining us on a podcast where talking to people and that you even teach 
in front of people. So uh, interesting uh, way that that panned out. <laughs> so Anna, now uh, a little bit about you. All right. So my story is uh, in is in parts uh, really similar to Sharon. So also I fell in love with uh, um, with computer science watching. Uh, the defragmenting. So uh, <laughs> in, during my time, so I'm 32, so I am what uh, they call elder millennial. So uh, not really in the middle of the millennial generation, but uh, I'm a bit uh, bit older. And um, and at the time there was no uh, yeah, internet or it was really slow. So I really took pleasure in uh, trying to understand how computers uh, worked. Um, and that's how I fell in love with, uh, with computer science. I, I studied computer science uh, back in Lisbon. I'm Portuguese um, and, uh, and then I majored in uh, software engineering and information systems. And I fell in love uh, with data. So my area uh, of expertise is data engineering. So what else can I say about uh, myself? Um, yeah, Portuguese, born and raised. Um, and yeah, moved here to the Netherlands to uh, seek for, uh, some uh, adventure and um, I saw Picnic uh, as a good opportunity to uh, experiment the, the scale-up, uh, well at the time startup and now scale-up uh, vibe rather than the whole uh, corporate vibe that I was used to and um, here I am. So just going really back sort of into Anna your uh, story right you said you moved uh, here from Portugal now I know from a previous conversation um, that you had an interesting conversation with your boyfriend so I told my boyfriend, you know, I really want to move abroad and uh, change jobs, uh, change uh, apartment, change friends. Um, I wouldn't like to change uh, boyfriend, but uh, <laughs> I, it would, I, either you come or you don't. So uh, uh, how does that sound? And uh, he uh, replied to me, well, uh, if that's what you want, you know, and I also like to, to, to have that experience, I'm going to join you. But it was a bit more cautious in the sense that he thought it was maybe just a phase. And then only after, uh, after I really told him I really like this, uh, then he started looking for a job and then he moved afterwards. So in the end, um, yeah, we're really happy here. And actually, we, like I said in the beginning, uh, well, uh, we're renovating a house because we just bought a house. So we are here to stay. I think if I would uh, have stayed in Portugal, probably by now I would have, I don't know how many kids. So I'm the, the odd one out uh, within the family and the, the group of friends, still unmarried. Very, uh, yeah, I just tried to live as much as I could during, the, during my 20s and also in my 30s. And I'm really, yeah, enjoying my life. So, so speaking of unexpected, and uh, Sharon, I think you know where I'm going with this one. Can you tell me a little bit about, you know, your, how did you get into it? What does it mean to you? And I'm also particularly interested in what you, you know, enjoy most about it. Yeah, of course. Of course, yeah. It uh, can come off as quite unexpected, but actually more and more people are pole dancing nowadays. So when I started, was, it was around eight years ago, so I was and didn't have the most healthy lifestyle and I was really looking for something to get me out off the couch and get fit and I really like enjoying I like trying out new sports and I saw that the university gym offered a pole dancing course so I thought why not let's just try it and I dragged my little sister along because I was afraid to do it alone and then my first class um, I was definitely no angel I was actually a sack of potatoes but I was completely hooked on pole dancing 
So, and I think before you've told, you've mentioned in one of our previous conversations, you know, what it does for you as a feeling of empowerment and, and, you know, what it's done for you from a, like a confidence perspective as well. Could you explain a bit about that? So what I've really learned is that you learn to appreciate your body or yourself for all the amazing things you can do and not just what it looks like. So you, you have this amazing amazing feeling about yourself and it doesn't matter uh, what you look like in a mirror it matters that you can do it which is i think an amazing thing that uh, pole dancing offers the reaction's been that you've experienced both at work because i know it's i mean it's also on your linkedin for example so it's not something you are ashamed of at all uh, and as you shouldn't be so how have those reactions been yeah so the reactions have been indeed a bit diverse uh, so I'm really open about it. it. It has brought me so much and I think it's an amazing sport. So I really, it's a part of my life. So I don't want to hide that part. Uh, but in the beginning, I definitely got reactions like, hey, you can dance on my pool. Or uh, don't you think it's too naked or sexy? Or what do your parents think of this? Uh, my parents actually fully support this, by the way. Um, and this is, this is really annoying in the beginning. You feel uh, a little bit insecure, maybe. And it's also really short-sighted and, and really lame if people say this. So usually I, I, I just laugh in their faces. Uh, but everyone that really knows me actually saw the uh, intense positive effect it had on me. Um, and now I actually get a lot of positive response. So I think nowadays many people know someone that does pole dancing. Uh, so it's become more and more mainstream. And what I've also noticed is that actually people are, are quite curious to do pole dancing. So they still do want to do like a, a trial course and also a lot of guys want to try it out, which is really cool. Yeah, well, I definitely want to. <laughs> mm -hmm. I invite you to join me in a pole dancing class as well. <laughs> well, I think if you want to have a good laugh that uh, I can return the favor to you for sure uh, for joining us on the podcast by coming to one of your classes. That's for sure. But honestly, I think it'd be a, it's something I would love to try. I think it's uh uh, yeah, if not only the workout, but if I could look half as good doing it as some of the pictures I've seen of you, well, where can I sign? <laughs> so, um, so now we have a little bit of background about who you guys are. Now, also interesting to look a bit into your individual careers. Um, so we talked, obviously, a bit, you know, in your introduction, you mentioned what it is that you guys do briefly. Um, Sharon, can you maybe summarize to our listeners who, for example, are not from the Netherlands or are not familiar with Picnic, what Picnic does? Because ultimately, it is a really big game changer, um, and especially when you look at how it changes the traditional act of doing groceries. Yeah, of course. So Picnic started around five years ago, and uh, Picnic is one of the fastest growing online supermarkets in Europe. So we have a simple mission. We want to make grocery shopping fun. We are a market where you can order your groceries via the app, and within 24 hours, we can deliver at your door for free, which makes it super easy to get your groceries. And on the outside, Picnic is this very fun, family-friendly supermarket with uh, cute little electric vehicles uh, bringing your groceries. Since we're actually a very strong data-driven technology-focused company, we have back-end systems for the whole supply chain. We have a very simple team that uh, makes decisions based on all our data. And we have these AI solutions to make our supply chain more efficient. Uh, and as a result, minimizing the carbon footprint 
and make our service more affordable. Well, you sure have that pitch down the, down the t- perfectly. Now, so I have to agree. My favorite part about Picnic, honestly, for anyone who haven't, has not seen the really cute electric vans driving around, they just make me smile every single time. So that is really, really fantastic. Um, it brightens my day whenever I see them. They even have a, a smile in the front, you know. There's actually male and female uh, vehicles. So some of them have lips, red lips, and other ha- others have uh, mustaches. So as cute as the vehicles are, I know, Anna, that's not the reason why you moved from Portugal to, uh, yeah, to the <laughs> Netherlands to work for Picnic. I know, uh, you know, now you're working as a, uh, really on the data side, really working as a, you know, data product owner. Can you mm-hmm. explain, I mean, Sharon already mentioned that Picnic does really cool things with data. Can you maybe talk just a little bit about like, how you guys use data uh, to service customers? Yeah, sure. Uh, so uh, cuteness is one of the reasons, of course. <laughs> no, of course, it, it, it helps if you, if you really believe in the, in, the, in the business model. This is the case. So it's a really sustainable uh, business model that, that I believe in. And in my job, uh, well, as I mentioned before, our responsibility is to collect uh, data from all the different uh, systems, like Sharon mentioned, across the whole supply chain. So from the contact with suppliers, um, and uh, up to the door of the customer. Um, and there we collect all the data, we clean it, uh, and we model it in a way that in the same place, anyone in the company can ask all the questions. So things, for instance, um, uh, referring to the example of Sharon, the banana, we really like to use the banana as one example because it's actually one of our top selling products, So, which is in the Netherlands at least. But uh, you can know everything about that banana. So imagine that you really deliver like a rotten banana to a customer. You can really pinpoint um, who picked that banana in the warehouse into the, the box. Um, what, was the, what was the shipment from which supplier where this banana was? Uh, what was the price? How was it invoiced? Um, actually, how was it delivered? What was the temperature of the of the box where the banana was? Or maybe it was rotten because it was too hot. Um, actually, what was the impact of that rotten banana in the behavior of the customer? Maybe uh, it had some impact on loyalty, for instance. So you can really, really like just look at something and tell everything that happened around that entity because we have this centralized database, which is called the data warehouse. So what my team does is to create this product called data warehouse. And um, yeah, that's to service also the, the data the scientists, so the team from Sharon, and also the, all the analysts within the company. So of course, uh, one of the reasons why I joined uh, Picnic was the, the breadth uh, of the, the data domains, because you can imagine that in, with such a long supply chain, we have things like marketing, finance, uh, uh, purchase order management, the warehouse management, um, the relationship with the customer, online campaigns, like all these kind of domains, it's really hard to get bored. So this is what I did before in consultancy. So instead of like switching between different clients and industries, I can just switch within the company uh, between different domains. So that's why it's really hard to get bored uh, working uh, for both my team and Sharon's team. Okay, and and so I mean, uh, it sounds like that's obviously a great reason to join Picnic. And but if you look, and this is a question for both of you, what do you enjoy the most about Picnic? And besides the data, 
What do you enjoy the most? <laughs> the people. <laughs> so, yeah. What about you, Sharon? So for me, it's, it's definitely also the people, which is kind of weird, right? Because when I was 15, I, I decided I didn't want to work with people. Uh, but the people at Picnic are just really smart and, and really inspiring. I just, I just love working with them. I really like that. And yeah, I know I shouldn't say data, but like for a data scientist, it's really data heaven. So I really have to take this time to give some credits to the data team from Anna um, because we have so Aww. much data with which really good quality, uh, which makes my work actually so much more fun. So definitely the people in the data. Okay, so to sum it up, the people in the data from both of you are by far the best things. Okay. And um, so I know, Sharon, as much as you don't like people, um, <laughs> I know you're also really active. And I think both of you guys are active in a group, uh, Tech Ladies, within uh, Picnic. Sharon, can you maybe say just sort of what this group is? And, and I mean, obviously, you guys both work with men and women in the tech industry. Uh, so share maybe a bit about how you see the difference in the way women in tech work and the way men in tech work. And, yeah, then just a bit of information about this Tech lady group at picnic yeah sure um i can i can first explain what the pic picnic tech ladies is so this is a group we started last year uh, it's a group of all female developers we have at the at picnic in our tech team which is at the moment i think 25 and uh, we started this group because even though we have quite some developers we are spread out over large teams so we wanted to get connected and share experiences and, and also learn from each other. So now we have these monthly sessions where we talk about really cool tech projects, but also share personal stories and challenges. Uh, for example, like the imposter syndrome, which can feel more comfortable when you talk about it with only a group of women. And then okay. going, uh, <laughs> should I continue with the, the second part? Yeah, I mean, if you're, uh, yeah, if you have, and I, I mean, I think you for sure have had some opportunity to experience difference in how men work and how women work. Yeah, so one thing I've, I've really noticed is that it can be quite difficult to be the only woman in the team. Um, I've noticed this personally that, that I feel more pressure uh, because I feel that if I fail or don't do something right, I represent all of the women in tech. Uh, so because I'm this one out of one example, right? I, I'm not the one out of many. So if I feel, I feel all the women in tech, which is a lot of pressure you put on yourself. So even if, if you don't get this pressure from your male colleagues, this is still some pressure you put on yourself, which can make it quite hard, um, which is a reason why it's even nicer to connect with all these other women in tech and all these other uh, girls that are in, in teams by themselves. And Anna, do you feel sort of that same pressure? Uh, yes, definitely. Especially in the product uh, owner group. Uh, so in Picnic, we are about, uh, I would say, 15 products or so. So each team has one product lead and one tech lead most of the time. And in the product leads, I'm actually um, the only uh, product owner. Uh, so indeed, I do. Uh, I, I can relate with what Sharon said, um, and uh, and most of the time, you know, uh, when you want to talk, you also don't want to come like 
as too passionate or emotional. And sometimes you even think like, okay, maybe this was too much. And these kind of thoughts are very, um, they, they, they can be dangerous, right? Because it can hold you back from really saying what you mean. But in general, just like I said, I'm very driven. And usually I just say um, the hell with it. Sorry for the for the expression, and uh, I just uh, I just I just think you know people need to to accept uh, the way the way I am ha- I am and uh, and also it's a different perspective uh, in the tech leads group so which I'm also part of um, uh, there's a little bit more uh, women so we are three out of uh, maybe thirteen or so. Um, and I can see, and there the sample is a bit bigger, so I can detect patterns, even though the sample is really small. So, of course, what I'm about to say is probably going to be a bit stereotypical. What I see is that in terms of leadership, um, we tend to be a bit more uh, people-oriented or caring. And uh, whereas, for instance, men tend to be a bit more fact and number oriented. Uh, so I can give you an example uh, that we had uh, uh, like his meeting about onboarding process, uh, about like doing it remotely uh, and not just uh, when Corona started, of course. And it was really nice to see how like the women in the group felt very strongly about how important your onboarding is to make sure that people feel like they're part of the team, even if it's online and then uh, the guys were more oh but we need data you know to be make sure make sure this works you should just test it with one or two people and then uh, do a survey and really decide if this is the way to go when in fact for the women it was like a no-brainer look this has so many like human advantages that we should just we shouldn't overthink this because it's just good for people in general to feel like to feel like they belong. So this was like eye-opener for me that when I realized that we are really different. But again, a sample of three. So I cannot really uh, say that this is the case in all the other companies because everyone has their own personality. Yeah, I think um, it's definitely recognizable. I mean, I myself were in a company where, I mean, it's an IT company. There's about 400 people. And even for us, we have quite a few women. In fact, our team here in the Benelux were with all women and one man. So there you see the unusual opposite effect. Um, And I I mean, I do think for a healthy balance, right, you need a mix of both and that diversity aspect is really important. Um, But I mean, Sharon, one of the things you said was about that pressure you put on yourself to represent the entire field. I'm I'm curious, do you have an idea about maybe what would help to reduce that pressure? Because I think it's something that's really relatable to a lot of people. Hmm, I think uh, it's, it's a lot of, um, I think something that does, did definitely help me is to talk about it with other, other girls. So I talked about this with Anna actually, and I didn't felt this way as well. So that already feels, makes it feel a bit more relatable. I think also comes down to what you experienced during your studies. For example, I always was one of the few, I always got comments like, Hey, I didn't expect you to do the studies. Oh, you don't look like the typical female tech. Same, passive-aggressive. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Microaggression, right? (laughs) Yeah, during the years, even though they didn't, they they meant it as a compliment. Throughout the years, you have the feeling that you don't really belong there and you have to prove that you belong there. Um, But for me, really realizing that this had an impact on how I am thinking at the moment and how I'm feeling uh, does really help. And, And just making this 
communicating this with people and making this a topic where you can talk about it instead of uh, just pretending it's not there. I think that already really helps. Okay, so um, so on the show we have a couple of reoccurring questions uh, that we're going to ask everyone before concluding the episode. So I'd like to dive into these. Um, they're, uh, I wouldn't say very difficult questions, but they're definitely uh, some quite personal questions. Um, so I'm going to start off with the first one, which is that, uh, you know, one of the things you see a lot of times are that we don't really talk about the moments of failure. Uh, and particularly, you know, the times where you felt like you weren't good enough or that you, you couldn't and, and wouldn't succeed. Um, and, and moreover, really how you overcome these changes and how these uh, these moments become these life changing and really defining moments. Um, Anna, can you maybe talk about one moment that in which you were in that situation and which you didn't know if you were successful enough or good enough or, or, or you know that really defined who you are yes I think uh, throughout my career there were definitely a lot of uh, moments especially when you change uh, when you change your your um, your domain right so every time I would change customers of course when I moved um, into uh, when I moved uh, to the Netherlands also uh, it's really different uh, different uh, background different technologies different people different language so this was uh, this was hard so uh, immigrating is not easy uh, but it's also very uh, re rewarding but within picnic I think it was uh, after a year or so when the whole company was scaling a lot um, horizontally and it was not sustainable and uh, the company realized they needed a bit more structure and to create these products that I mentioned before with a bit more um, yeah, organization around each product with a tech lead and a product lead. And at the time, um, so my other half, Ileana, uh, so the tech lead of the data engineering uh, team, uh, she invited me to, uh, to help her and, uh, and, uh, and become the product owner. And at the time, my background like in product ownership was basically just uh, university. Uh, so f a lot of theory, but I was uh, I was a developer, right? So I had to step up and uh, figure out uh, how I would do it, uh, how I would shape um, the team in the way that uh, Picnic and uh, the team needed. Um, so it was really hard. And at the time, I really felt like very strong imposter syndrome, especially because at, at the company, I had no one to look uh, up to because this was a, a fairly new thing. So it was a lot of uh, um, fake it until you make it even though of course I was not faking it but for my like internally for me because I be I believe that what I was doing was not really like yeah the right thing I was not really sure so it felt like I was faking it but in the end it just proved to be the ideal solution so I was learning how I was learning while I was doing the job and in the end I got really nice compliments about um, yeah how uh, I structured the processes how we organized uh, the roadmap and everything and nowadays it's really nice to see that young product owners um, come to me and ask for advice so this is the part where you get like the reverse right you feel like okay I faked it and I made it, and uh, now I can, uh, I can, I can, uh, um, yeah, basically capitalize on this. But of course, the challenges don't stop. So now I have yet other uh, challenges about like other things. So in the end, 
nothing stays the same and we will always be uh, we will always uh, feel challenged and i think that's a really nice thing i think we're hearing a lot today about the imposter syndrome right and that's definitely something that's uh you know we women not to say that men don't have that but i think we do talk a bit more openly about that um so sharon what has been this sort of defining moment for you in your life yeah i i, I love this question because uh, i think too many times we only see the, the shiny outside with all these nice accomplishments, but we don't see the hard stuff, the, the moments that people were crying or couldn't take it anymore. Uh, I think it's very important to, to keep on talking about these things. So for me, the, the, mo the moment that immediately pops into my mind is around eight years ago. Um, I had a burnout. I was super tired. And if I wasn't sleeping, I was crying. I worked myself really hard and I always connected the work that I did with how I felt about myself. And I always felt that I was not good enough, that my work needed more and more. And, and, my, and, and this moment was really hard because if you connect your self-worth to your work and you get a burnout and you can't work, then you feel like you're not worth anything. So I was really depressed at that time. I had amazing friends that supported me and I got help. I went to a shrink and worked hard to get better. Uh, and this was really life-changing because I learned so much about myself and how I work and how I have to deal with stress. And I, I learned to say that I, I am good enough and that I am worthy, which was a hard thing to do at that time. And these are feelings that can still pop up sometimes, so it's never 100% gone. Uh, but now I really know how to deal with them and, and make sure I don't get into that situation again. So this, this was definitely a life-changing event for me. So thank you, uh, listeners. Thank you, uh, Women Tech community, and everyone who's joining us and listening to the uh, to the podcast today. Um, thank you, Sharon and Anna, for joining us and uh, telling your stories. Thank you. Uh, it was really nice conversation. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks so much, Fleur. I, I love the conversation we were having together with Anna, and I'm looking forward to the next episode. <laughs>